The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Connections, and Kinky Education. We're kinky, done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self. With questions asked by a guy. And now here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to you our wonderful listeners. I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit, and on this edition of the show, we will get an amazing perspective on why men crave female domination from a woman who not only holds the whip, but is pretty good with a pen as well. Alicia Zadig, also known as Mistress Alicia, is an international dominatrix and expert on BDSM. She is a native New Yorker of Moroccan descent. Her career began at a well-known dungeon in New York City where she learned the ropes of BDSM. She eventually started her own successful studio. Today, Alicia is a sole practitioner with followers from around the world and is the debut author of Yes Mistress, Why Men Crave Female Domination. Her years of experience in the kink community have fueled a passion for helping people explore their unique sexuality and their wildest desires. With a background in psychology, neuro-linguistic programming, and Erickson hypnosis, Alicia is the perfect guide into the fascinating world of male submission revealed in Yes Mistress. When not commanding the attention of her devoted followers, she can be found on the mat practicing gymnastics, pursuing her entrepreneurial and artistic interests, and traveling the globe in pursuit of world domination. You can follow Alicia on Twitter or Instagram at Mistress Alicia, or check out her website at MistressAlicia.com. You can pre-order Yes Mistress at YesMistress.com. And now, the wonderful and amazing woman known as Mistress Alicia on what women and other wonderful humans want. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. First time you ever saw a man in person crave female domination and your reaction to it. I was 18 and it was a guy that I was dating at the time and he loved, loved to worship my feet. He couldn't help himself and he couldn't hide his arousal. So 
he would drop down to his knees and massage them and beg to kiss them and lick them. And I loved it. First time you ever picked up an implement in kink. And what did you do with it? <laughs> so it was the first time that I went for an interview at a commercial dungeon. And again, I just turned 19. I was really young. And I walked into one of the dungeon rooms and I was like a kid in a candy store. And I opened this glass closet of random CBT devices and nipple clamps and my eyes just opened so wide. And I remember just thinking, oh my God, I want to use all of these. <laughs> I want to know what they all do. First time you ever hypnotize someone and your emotions going through it. I had studied Ericksonian hypnosis and NLP for a few years, and I started to incorporate it into my scenes with my submissives. And I recall watching someone go so deep. It was fascinating to see how, it was fascinating to see how easy it was for him to let go. And specifically, it was someone that's a very cocky, alpha kind of guy. And I remember simply by hypnosis, I had him completely bound. I wasn't touching him at all. And he was able to reach an orgasm by being ordered to by the end of our scene. And I was mind blown. Wow. Yeah, exactly. First time you knew that psychology would be important in your life. Oh, I was fascinated with psychology ever since I was a teenager. I wanted to read everything there was. So I think I was a probably like 15, 16, and I wanted to get my hands on any psychology book there was. First time you knew you had made a huge difference in someone's life. Probably when one of my submissives, it was early on in my career, and he started crying after our scene, but more tears of happiness. I think he just felt so self-expressed that he was able to experience his fantasy without any judgment. And I think he just felt seen and, and, and it was wonderful. Many more stories coming up with Mistress Alicia when we return on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Have you ever wanted to try something a little kinky in the bedroom but had no idea where to start? Or maybe your partner just told you they're into water sports, no, not the jet ski kind, and you really want to fulfill their fantasy, but you're nervous. That's totally normal. I'm Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist who's talked about kink in magazines like Cosmo, Playboy, and Glamour, and on my podcast, The Dildorks. My new book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, is a guide to some of the hottest and best-known kinks out there, from age play to zapping and everything in between. Each section offers three suggestions for ways you can try out your new interest with a partner or even by yourself. Curious? Order your copy now at 101kinkythings.com and start learning new things about your sexuality. 
Hello, I'm Jesse Sage from Peep Show Media. Peep Show Media is a multimedia magazine bringing news and stories from the sex industry. Be sure to check out our website at peepshowmedia.com for essays, porn reviews, events, interviews, news stories, and more. Also, make sure to listen to our podcast, The Peep Show Podcast, anywhere you get podcasts. And for a bit more of a personal glance into my life, make sure to check out my January 15th interview on what women and other wonderful humans want. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. And now back to this episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Welcome back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. I am John, also known as Hi There Catsuit. Absolutely overjoyed to be joined by Mistress Alicia, the author of Yes, Mistress, Why Men Crave Female Domination. You have over 300 pages of descriptions from many people of why that is. What was it that brought you to write this book? The reason that I wrote this book was because I realized that most people have a misunderstanding about female domination and BDSM. First of all, I think a lot of people believe that it's a small subset of men that enjoy female domination and that couldn't be more inaccurate. Also, I think that BDSM is largely misunderstood, and I wanted to demystify it and destigmatize it. I wanted people to understand that it is more than just an erotic experience, that it has the ability to provide so many benefits, and that your everyday ordinary man is probably fantasizing about it, has done it, or if he did do it, he would love it. And I'm convinced that there's so much value in it. And I think that if, if people, more people understood it and knew about it, they can enrich their sex lives. And ultimately I want people to just have wonderful sex lives. And I'd like to inspire them to explore BDSM or at least to have a better understanding. I'm gonna challenge the word sex lives right there a little bit. Yes by saying that one of the misconceptions is that it is all about sex. But I have come to find, especially through doing interviews on this program and through personal life, that it's the moments I crave, not the sex. Is that common? Or is that something that you find with your sessions and the people that you've talked to Is it about the moment or is it about the sex? So I think it varies from person to person. I think there are a lot of reasons that people choose to explore this. In terms of it being about the moment, I think, you know, there is an erotic element to it. Of course, it's sexy as fuck. It's Mm -hmm. very sexy, but I think it's a lot deeper than that. I think people are drawn to it for various reasons and it can be about just exploring their fantasies, exploring their deepest desires, but also the fact that it allows for vulnerability. 
It allows people to separate from the ego. It meets a lot of just fundamental needs like certainty and uncertainty and variety or connection, significance, um, and the list goes on and on. But ultimately, I mean, there are so many benefits, whether it be psychological, mental, physical, and I agree with you, it is a lot deeper than just the fact that it is the erotic aspect. The psychology that goes into it, how much has your knowledge and education in that subject made you a better dominatrix? <laughs> Absolutely. For me, the majority of my scenes and my sessions with my submissives is about the psychology behind it. Like that's the foundation. Everything else is great. You know, whatever we're doing, whether it's spanking, bondage, flogging, piercing, fire play, all of that is lovely. But for me, it's about getting into their minds and having a real idea about what are their needs? What is the feeling? What is the ultimate feeling that this person is looking for? Right? Because it's never about what it's about. And I think that for me to connect and have that understanding of the psychology behind it is ultimately makes all of my scenes more powerful. And I think that's a big part of why I have been successful and why I have just the most wonderful submissives for such a long period of time is because I think it meets their psychological needs. You mentioned that it's never about what it's about. Have you had a situation where you've gone into a scene with someone that you've played with for a while and realized that there was something more that they were missing and you could help bring them to that point? So in general, when I play with a submissive, I ask what they're interested in and what their hard limits are. And other than that, I want the room to go anywhere with it because a lot of the time I don't even think that they know the things that they would enjoy. But sometimes it slips out, you know, and they might be like, oh, I wonder if I would be caned for something like this. And sometimes they give you hints in the dialogue. But a lot of the time it's just about the exploration. And frequently, as I said, I think it's about for me, I like, I like improving. I like just going with it and I like feeling them out and just being intuitive and being able to try things with my submissives that they didn't necessarily know that they would enjoy or didn't even necessarily know they were craving. Mistress Diamond Blue from Montreal and I have thought about going out to some kink gatherings and teaching a course called Improv for Kinksters. Because oh, wow. I think that people who are from the top side or the bottom side, if they realize what the concept of yes and is, which is taking the gift that's given to you and moving forward to the next logical point, rather than the point that you wanted to go to, would be so interesting for both tops and bottoms to be able to make better scenes. You have a plan going into many scenes, I'm sure, but has there been one 
improvisational ad lib that you are most proud of? So I love the yes and, and in the book, Yes Mistress, that's exactly one of the, one of the ideas that I try to introduce to my readers is the yes and. A lot of the time, you know, with my role plays, I don't actually have a, a plan. What I have is either a base that they have an idea of what the role play that they would like to explore is, but a lot of it is improv. It's not, it's not, there's no plan to it. Like I like to just go with it and I love that freedom. And there is one improv that still blows me away till this day. <laughs> and I write about it in the role play section. And it's a client that I've had for a while. He's a, he's an Orthodox Hasidic man in his sixties. And our role play is that I met him on the street one day and he's a young boy. I met him on the street and he was lost and looking for his parents. And I lure him in and I tell him to come home with me and I'll help him. And ultimately I kidnap him. I brainwash him to become a Catholic boy. <laughs> uh, I teach him how to pray to Jesus. And that's the foundation of our role play. So every time I see him, it's built on that. And we pick up somewhere from, from there. So the rest of the role play is that I sent him to go live with the nuns to go to school. And every weekend, yeah. <laughs> and every weekend he comes home and we start by, we have breakfast, which is, you know, either bacon or ham or sausage. And if you understand Judaism and kosher, it's all about playing with the taboos. So it starts with him eating bacon and ham. And then we pray to Jesus together. And I, you know, I put a cross necklace on him and then I discipline him for whatever the nuns told me. And it just builds and builds. And uh, it's really wild because because we both get, we're both so associated. I think, um, I love it when my clients are playful where my submissives are really into it and I get really into it. And it's so believable that we both reach a point that we're like, wow. <laughs> and sometimes afterwards, we're just, we're both blown away. We're like, holy shit, that was, that was really wild. Yeah. Sometimes not even in just role play, but in being in the scene altogether, it is an opportunity to be somebody else. And that is one of the wonderful things I love about kink. For me personally, that somebody else is the person that I always wanted to be growing up, but was denied through a 20 year marriage of being able to explore that. When people come to you, how transformative for the most part, have your sessions been to making them closer to their authentic selves? Good question. So on the lighter side of things, I believe that just being able to be self-expressed and experience your fantasy that most people keep to themselves and never share, I think something as simple as that allows them to live their truth, right? And of course, it goes deeper than that. And for some other people, they have a cathartic experience where they're able to work on other things or, you know, whether it's deeper issues or just have a, a moment with themselves, or as I mentioned earlier, a separation from the ego. I think, you know, there are so many possibilities here that can bring someone closer to their true selves. But I think also just 
the ability to let go and be vulnerable and be in the moment and allow yourself this this really wild uh, experience. I want to go through some of the chapters in your book one by one, and if there are some stories from some of the amazing mistresses that have joined with you on this journey, please feel free to share. And I want to start with the chapter on bondage, freedom through restriction. I know that the more bound I feel, the better I feel, because it makes me totally out of control of what's going to happen. Explain to me the thoughts as a dominatrix of what it's like to put a person in bondage and what it means to you and what it means to them. So I think it occurs differently for each submissive bondage. For me, the majority of the people that I play with, they're not just bondage enthusiasts. It's more that bondage is a starting point. And what I find in the people that I've played with and in my submissives is the majority are looking for this feeling of helplessness and bondage allows them to get there kind of expressed through, through being physically restrained. So whether that's something as simple as shackles or rope or leather belts or a sleep sack, you know, any of it, it, does, it doesn't really matter. It's just the point that it helps them let go physically and in turn mentally. So, you know, as I said, again, it occurs differently for each person. For me, it's the beginning. And right after I have someone in bondage, I love, love, love that moment that I'm done applying the bondage and they have a moment of, you know, squirming or just trying to move around to see exactly how restricted they are. And I might laugh a little bit, or it's just this moment that I know that you're so fucked. Like, I'm totally going to torch you and tease the hell out of you or whatever it is. You know, it's just that moment of like, you are so in front. <laughs> and I, I love when they have that moment of realization. And ultimately, you know, they trust me, but they do know that I love to push limits. I love to take them to their own edge. I love to give them a challenging, wild experience. And I think for a lot of people, it's, it's part of that fear right? It's like, what happens once you're in bondage? It's not just about the bondage itself. It's that anything could happen now. Like, what's she going to do to me? Oh, no. <laughs> you know. And the placement of the bondage, whether it be cuffs or shackles, or the amazing feeling of having rope put across you, I tend to think it's a bit of a physical hypnosis or at least a wonderful exercise in mindfulness. Yeah, I like the process. So first I'm going to always choose, as I mentioned in the book, right? I choose the location and whether I want them standing or lying down or sitting. The position is a big part of it, right? Because I also want to be mindful if someone sat all day, I might want to have them like standing up or if I want them to go into a very deep state I might not want them to be on their feet. I might want them laying down. 
But for me, it's part of the process. And as you said, of the rope going around, you know, their ankles, their wrists, or locking them down with each leather belt or tying them in and securing them into the sleep sack. I, I love the process. I think the process is very sexy. Even the shackles, even something as simple as the shackles. Like I, I love going from ankle to ankle to wrist to wrist and then layering and then, you know, whatever's going to go on top of that and the belts and um, bondage is sexy. Damn, I, <laughs> I actually, I really enjoy bondage. You see my smiles every time you bring up sleep sack because I've yet right. to experience it, but I hope to one day. Yes, you know who is wonderful with bondage and the sleep sack? I love watching Troy Orleans. I'm not sure if you've ever caught any of her videos, but she does layering and layering of bondage and suspension, really beautiful suspension. And I could just watch, I could just watch her in action for hours. And I've interviewed her in the book. I'm looking yeah. forward to going back and rereading that yes, because obviously <laughs> I'm a little intrigued by that. You'll find her in the bondage section. Moving to chapter four, discipline. I have personally not experienced a lot of this part of it, but I know that the psychology behind it is something that I know men crave, especially the more powerful, it seems. Is that true? Yes, absolutely. And it could be for so many different reasons. Sometimes it could be as a punishment and sometimes it's as a reward. Other times it could just be about training your submissive for a certain behavior, right? It could be carried out differently in every, in every situation. What is one of your favorite punishments? Hmm. My favorite. So it's very person specific. Mm -hmm. I, it, it's not like one thing across the board, but I absolutely love caning. I love, love, love caning. So I, I also love an over the knee spanking, like a good old fashioned, yeah, a good old fashioned bare hand spanking. And I have a very heavy hand. I think my hand is seriously is harder than any paddle. Like you'd wish that it were a paddle. And I, I love the skin to skin. I love the psychological element to that, right? Like having a grown man over your knee, having to like stay, just stay in that position while I discipline him and spank him and build it up slowly and just keep going harder and harder until their ass is stinging and maybe like have their underwear down, you know, down around their knees or whatever it is I yeah it would be a good old-fashioned hand spanking well that goes perfectly into chapter five sadism and masochism it wasn't until I had my first impact scene which happened uh, quite by accident actually that I started to understand how pain processes other types of pain. And now that I enjoy impact play a lot, it's the remnants of that pain that bring me the biggest joy. 
sitting in my office chair, rubbing up against a bruise that I had given to me by my queen. And it immediately takes me right back to her. Yes. Explain your vision of what pain can do for someone. So pain can occur for people in so many different ways. And it depends for someone who is a masochist. It could simply be pleasure and it could be, it could be a way that they access subspace. It could just be a euphoric moment. For others, it could be about taking it for their mistress and maybe they don't like it, but it's kind of a sign of, look what I'm willing to take for you. Like, I will do this for you because I know you enjoy it or because, or because I think it will make me a better slave or whatever that, that headspace is. And then for others, it could be cathartic. Um, I have, I have one submissive and I don't think he's representational of, you know, all submissives, but I have one submissive who I've been seeing for a long time and he has served in five wars and he has PTSD mm -hmm. and I have our scenes are about four to six hours and they're heavy corporal and they're definitely very psychological. We begin with hypnosis and they're very heavy corporal and for whatever reason at the, you know, after our scenes, well, he feels wonderful, but for days later, he's told me that, that following our, our heavy corporal scenes, he doesn't feel the need to take his PTSD medication. I'm not sure, you know, what exactly, you know, what the actual reason is. I don't think that that's true, that it occurs in that way for other people necessarily. That's just an extreme example, but it is fascinating to to see what it can do for certain people on that level. Going back to the word cathartic, impact scenes can be so incredibly cathartic mm -hmm. because people don't realize what their limits are. And speaking personally, I know that there have been times when uh, my lovely friend Katie or my queen will hit me so hard that I don't realize how hard they actually hit me. And you talked about the wanting to please your mistress. But at other times, I think it's a test of limits of what you think you can take yourself. Absolutely. I think some people are challenging themselves. I think it's for some people, it's about their own endurance and you know, their own challenge and pushing themselves. Or even, yeah, and even being able to accept that pain and transfer it into some type of pleasure. And the fact that you don't give up on something like that allows you to have the power to not give up in other parts of life. Absolutely. I do agree. Moving on to fetish. Not that I know anything about fetish as the guy <laughs> who's wearing a cat suit while interviewing you. But as I mentioned to you at the top of the podcast, I'm wearing it because I felt I needed a hug tonight. So that's this is my safe space, so to speak. 
but there are so many different types of fetishes. Uh, I know that foot fetish is a popular one. Material fetishes are a big one. What are some of the ones that mistresses shared with you that kind of surprised you? First, I want to say that I love that you're wearing your cat suit. And I can even see just the top of it. So thank you. And you asked, what are some of the fetishes that mistresses have shared with me? That may have surprised you. <laughs> well, when I interviewed the other doms, they, we, didn't, we didn't actually get into the different types of fetishes. That, but, but now that you're asking, I'm intrigued and I would love to know what some of their you know, most interesting fetishes were. I mean, I could tell you what, what, which ones were really fascinating for me over the years. And for me, it would have been things like, um, I think it would have been things like uh, putting on a, you know, a bat, like a, what is it? A Batman, you know, someone wanting to wear a Batman costume mm -hmm. or someone having a fascination with my toenails when I cut them <laughs> or, um, or Jordans or Timberlands, right? Someone asked me if I could bring all of my Nike Air Max to our, our scene. Things like that are fun. And yeah, there's basically there's a fetish for everything you can think of, as I'm sure you know. And as you said, the material fetishes are pretty funny, you know, and guys, when they say to me, like, do you have any Lululemons? I'm like, why do you know that name? How do you even know the brand names? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, well, can you wear them? And, and it's funny, you know, over leather, latex, lingerie, it's like, well, can you wear the Lululemons? <laughs> right? But yeah. that kind of makes sense because if you think of the world today now i was in college in the 1980s and the university i went to happened to be the home of the national cheerleaders association which was also the national dance team association so i would go through entire summers in texas watching women walking around in leotards tights and unitards Wow. <laughs> it kind of fed into the fetish a little bit there. But think of today, walking down the street, you see people in Lululemons or all these different kinds of leggings. It almost makes it impossible to concentrate if you're really thinking of the fetish at the time. But we live in a time where some of our regular everyday outfits are even fetishized. Absolutely, yes. And, you know, it's just like you said, women have given up their jeans and skirts and dresses for leggings. Like every woman is just walking around, you know, in leggings. And for fetishists of leggings, I'm sure they are thrilled. You know, one thing that occurred to me, I think I was about 19, and it's when I first started at a commercial dungeon and I started to understand how popular the foot fetish was and everything about it you know it's like bare feet feet in heels feet in sandals feet in you know stinky feet clean feet red pedicure you know it, basically the list goes on and on and I remember getting on the train one day and I remember thinking to myself you know it was summer and all the women are wearing like open toe sandals 
And I remember just having that light bulb moment, like, holy shit, how many men are loving this right now that are just looking down and pretending to just look down, but are so aroused, looking at all of our sexy feet. <laughs> Interesting moment, yeah. It's torture in itself. <laughs> <laughs> so when you put on whatever outfit you have, for a session and in looking through your gallery at mistressalicia.com, you have a lot of different looks. Describe what it's like to put on your costume for a session. Or is it a little bit like putting on your armor for a joust? Hmm. So First, I'll begin with my fetishes <laughs> because we skipped that. So this will give oh, you a little insight. Yes, yes, yes. please. <laughs> I, um, I'll share my fetishes with you and then you'll have a little insight into what that feels like for me. My fetishes are leather, latex, lingerie, and stiletto heels. Mm. And I'm highly kinesthetic. So for me, it's literally about the textures. So when I'm putting on my smooth, high quality leather, like the way it feels on my skin, I love it. When I'm putting on the latex and how it holds my body and when I'm shining it and polishing it, I love it. <laughs> and the lingerie, that's just the softer side of me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, um, it's kind of like the balance. So I love the thigh highs and garters and I love like my Asian provocateur lingerie and the, you know, and the, the bras and corsets and the panty. I, I love it. And of course the stiletto just tops it off. So to say it gets, it, I love every aspect of it. I love getting dressed. Like I love getting dressed even just in my own house for myself, aside for the session or for my submissive, you know, that's part of my own ritual. And so when I put my outfit on and when I put, you know, my favorite scent and my, either my red lipstick or my light pink, like I, I love it. It feels good for me. It's just part of getting, I'd say getting me in the mood, but you know, really I do it for myself anyway. It's not even just about the scene that I'm about to get into, but the, the dress, you know, getting into all of that clothing. Yeah. I love it. Regular listeners of the podcast have heard me discuss this particular portion with many guests and I will do it with you because you enjoy your latex. When it comes to putting on a cat suit, or anything that is skin tight and covers everything. I have often argued that it is the greatest mindfulness exercise ever because there is never any time, whether consciously or subconsciously, you do not have something stimulating every inch of your body. Yes, especially the catsuit. I mean, latex is an intense feeling to have your entire body in it. And especially getting into it, you know, you don't want to tear it. So you do have to be so mindful about, you know, powdering it, sliding it on, the zipping, the polishing. I, I think I really love the rituals for these things. But once I'm in the latex, absolutely. I feel even, I feel every step 
I feel the when I bend my elbow, I feel when I cross my legs. It does make you very mindful of every, of each and every move you make. And sometimes when you're in it for long enough, for several hours, it starts to make um, <laughs> some funny noises. <laughs> <laughs> do you find, as I do, that latex or spandex, I don't know much about leather, but at least latex and spandex are sensation amplifiers? They, it could be, you know, it could be. And I understand that if, if specifically, if you like your entire body covered, for me, it's a very specific feeling because also sometimes I like the latex that's sleeveless. I like a bodysuit that leaves parts of, you know, like my legs open and my arms open. And I like to feel the variety of the part of my body that's being held and also the part of my body that the air could hit. And then some thigh high boots. Like um, sometimes I, I, I like the combination of the, the sensations from not having parts of my body covered with the latex. You know what I mean? And that thigh high boot was going to be the very next thing <laughs> I was going to talk about. I love it boots. is the cover of your book. Yeah. I love boots. That was part of, I mean, along with the heels and the stilettos, I love boots. I love thigh high. I love knee high. I love putting them on. I love zipping them. I love lacing them. I think I really love the rituals around sexy fetish clothing. When we come back on what women and other wonderful humans want, we're going to talk a little bit about kink in the community and why the kinkiest person you may know might be right next door when we come back. Hi, I'm Venus. I've been sharing my love for this beautiful relationship dynamic for, well, years now. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that finally there's a matchmaking service for single women and single men who want a loving cuckolding relationship. It's called Venus Connections. It's a personalized matchmaking service and three-week educational program that's safe, private, and individualized for what you want. Women, you no longer need to endure the headache of filtering through blank profiles and dealing with online creeps. And men, you can stop wasting time on those fake profiles and women with all sorts of ulterior motives. Venus Connections works for you to find what you want. You can learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. You deserve the relationship of your dreams. Hi, this is Jane Boone, the author of the novel Edge Play. It's a revenge fantasy where the big short meets 50 shades of gray. Only the women wield the whips and the billionaires submit. You can find it at Amazon in paperback or for your Kindle. And be sure to check out my episode with Tara Indiana right here on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Thank you. 
Hi, this is Rachel Leadham, aka The Conscious Masochist. I'm an author and sadomasochism integration mentor who encourages the mindful exploration of your dark side. I offer astrological birth chart readings to interpret your sadomasochistic blueprint through the clues found within your chart. You can learn more about my work, including the ebook Conscious Masochism, at my website, www.rachelleadham.com. And join us on Instagram at The Conscious Masochist. And be sure to check out my episode in the archives of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please, remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now let's get back to what women and other wonderful humans want. Welcome back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, joined by Mistress Alicia, who is the author of Yes, Mistress, Why Men Crave Female Domination. And we've been kind of going through your book chapter by chapter, but one of the things that I absolutely caught my eye was the kinky boy next door. <laughs> Love that. It's one of my favorite sections. Tell us a little bit about that, because it seems, and we talked about this and touched on it at the beginning of the show, that BDSM and kink is this thing that's in the shadows. But the fact is, there's a lot of people out there that share what we love. Yes. Well, the kinky boy next door gets into their childhood experiences and how and how some of these men started to experience these predilections early on, like as young as like five years old, seven years old. And it's fascinating to hear some of their their stories that occurred so naturally and Specifically, like, um, of course, I go back to the foot fetish, but one of the men talking about how he remembers being in, in a plane or in the airport and a lot of the women had their shoes off and he was a young boy and he was just walking through and noticing and looking at all of the women's feet and, you know, having a little excited feeling. And what's most interesting to me is that these desires are so natural they're natural in childhood and they're natural as an adult. And that's one of the main messages that I hope people you know, walk away with after reading this book, that, that you know, these desires are just, I know that a lot of people don't talk about them. And again, like we think it's a small subset of men, but I think all men are fantasizing about this to some degree or have fantasized about it, or would love it if they did try it. One of the chapters is named Unlocking the Core Desire. Is that a lot about basically going to try to figure out why you feel the way you feel? And if you're hiding it, what brings it out? <laughs> so what that chapter is about, and you asked me earlier, 
you asked me what were some of the reasons that people do crave female domination and these submissive experiences. And you asked if it was just sexual. And I said that a lot of the time it, a lot of the time it meets people's other needs, deeper mm -hmm. psychological needs or fundamental needs. And remember I mentioned like vulnerability or the separation from the ego. And over here, some of the needs that we're talking about are, are the basic ones like uh, uncertainty and variety or significance or, you know, just connection. And, and a lot of the time when someone comes to a scene with a dominatrix, like it's not necessarily, they're not coming, hi, can I have this? Can I have connection? Can I have uncertainty? Can you scare me? Can I, you know, that's not what they're asking for, but it's up to the dom. And I think that a lot of really intuitive doms can figure out ultimately what is the feeling that this person is looking to experience. And at all times, I think that a scene, a DS scene does fulfill at least like two needs at all times, right? Like whether it's just something as simple as uncertainty and connection, mm -hmm. right? Oh my, the connection. As a matter of fact, I was writing about it this week that if it weren't for the connection, none of this would work. I, I highly agree. For me, that is the single most important element with anyone that I play with. I think that it's just like any other relationship. It's about the chemistry and, it, and what makes my scenes with the people that I play with most successful is that is that we, you know, we connect, that we're both so associated and we're there and we connect on a psychological level, no matter what's happening, even if we're not talking for hours and they're you know, locked into a sleep sack or whatever it is, it's really about the connection. And I think that's part of why I'm so specific about who I want to play with. I wanna make sure that it's, you know, that, that it's that it's going to be enjoyable and that it's going to work for me as well. I've often wondered the answer to this question. How difficult is it to avoid having your clients fall madly in love and become obsessed with you? Or <laughs> does that happen? And if so, does it worry you at all? So I will first, thank you. I, I would be honored if any of my clients did fall in love with me. You know, I have, I have had the most wonderful clients and they're interesting and handsome and um, intelligent and creative. And I, I like them a lot as people. And I have been asked out, you know, on dates and I'm really honored more than anything. I wouldn't be nervous, you know, I wouldn't be nervous. I don't feel that they're dangerous people at all. I think we deeply care for each other, like any relationship, you know, I care about them as a human being. And, and I think a big part of it is that the Dom becomes the ideal woman because she's kinky, just like you, mm -hmm. you could share, you could, I'm totally kinky and you can come and share your wildest desires and I'm going to be like yeah I'll play the game with you sure <laughs> let's do it and I think a, a a big part of that it's like um just feeling feeling seen feeling accepted someone will 
that will play this adult game with you. Someone that you could be as kinky as you want and just share your wildest desires. And I think that becomes very attractive and just allows for a deep connection. Is there any difference between Mistress Alicia and the human behind it? <laughs> There's probably a little bit more responsibility for Mistress Alicia, but we're all the same. And that's the funny thing, you know, there's no turning it on and turning it off. I'm exactly me. I might be a little bossier in a scene, but I'm exactly me at all times. There's, which is interesting. I think a lot of people think that you walk into the room and you become someone else. And, and while that may be true for certain people, it, it doesn't ever feel like that for me. It's just, it's just me having the ability to express this side of myself, but it's completely me. And I love that's who you are. Because many times when you see a fetish model who has to somehow be able to put some distance between the character and the real person, because everybody just sees them as an object. But you live your life 24-7 and you're happy with who you are. When did that happen? At what point did you go, this is who I am and I'm perfectly fine with it? Yeah, thank you. That very fortunately, that happened for me early on. I was 18 or 19 when I discovered this world and the world of BDSM. And it, I was open-minded at the time. Maybe it had something to do with the fact, you know, like I, I was young, I was open-minded. I was hungry for knowledge. I was curious, curious about people and life and psychology and sexuality. And when I found this world, it, it really helped me explore myself and another side uh, you know, of myself that wanted to come out and play. And so while I had the ability to help people explore their fantasies, it was also an exploration of myself. And this went on for many years because whatever I enjoyed at the beginning, like every few years, I still learn new things about myself. I'm like, oh, wow, I really love this. And I really love that. And you know, I'm constantly exploring myself in this, BDSM world and I think it allowed me for a lot of self-expression and I think that's why I want to help other people feel comfortable with with BDSM and I want I want people to live their best I want to say sex lives but again it's not just sex lives I want people to live their best lives and to enjoy their sexuality and to to be able to have these experiences without judgment and that was a big part of what inspired me to write the book but this bdsm definitely allowed me to explore myself and help me feel comfortable and i was so fortunate to have that early on like i said at like 18 19 and i think it was a time in my life that i was very independent and so 
I wasn't looking to, you know, anyone else to have permission or acceptance on my decisions. It was just this world felt right for me. It felt good. I loved it in a strange way. I'm like, oh, these are my people, you know, and it, it um, and and it was just a you know a part of my own journey. I ask this question because we do record these episodes out of order. And I asked the question of Lucy Sweetkill and Dia Dynasty, who will be on the show a little bit later. What is the number one thing that you've checked off your bucket list? And what's the number one thing you've yet to achieve on your bucket list? Well, then in life, it would have been uh, just writing this book. I love to create and I, I write screenplays and I love film. I wanted to write a book for just sharing my insights and my experiences and my thoughts in a different platform. And, and so, yeah, it just came to fruition. What's the number one thing you've yet to check off? going to the Olympics. <laughs> Almost not there. Um, I, no, I meant as a gymnast performing at the Olympics, <laughs> not just going and sitting in the seats. Yeah. Um, but we'll put that one off for now. I would say making, making a feature film. So please share with our audience all the ways they can connect with you and especially with the book now available on pre-sale, the best way to do that. You can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Mistress Alicia. And you can visit me at my website, mistressalicia.com. And you can buy the book either on Amazon or at yesmistress.com. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on the program. It's been a long time coming since we started talking about this and special shout out to my wonderful friend, Miss Jane Boone for bringing us together. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jane. And I hope you've enjoyed this half as much as I have because this has been phenomenally fun for me. Yes, it was wonderful being here and talking to you. Thank you for having me. This show was literally months in the making. I had waited so long to finally meet the lovely mistress. I felt like I knew her already because we'd shared so much correspondence, including some that made me feel so wonderful. After listening to our anniversary show, she wrote me and said she was inspired by me and my vulnerability. All I could think of is why would someone like her admire me? Openness and authenticity, she said. It's what I look for when I interview people on this show. I have been touched by the amazing things people say following our talk, and I'm so humbled by them. For years, many of these women and other wonderful humans have been seen as just objects of desire, and we forget there are amazing humans inside every one of those characters. It's the humans I crave, and I'm happy to bring you their stories here each week. Next week, it will be another episode you don't want to miss. And I will miss you until we meet again. If you want to hear any of our old shows, they're all in the archives wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm John, proudly known as Hi There, Catsuit. 
I hope I've earned the privilege of your time. And I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently.